Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ and from the Spirit who gives us life. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, Herod Antipas had good reasons to get rid of God. Now just to be clear, this was not the same Herod who had ordered the slaughter of those innocent babies in Bethlehem in hopes of killing the expected coming King Jesus. That was Herod the Great. The Herod we heard today in the Gospel reading was one of Herod's great sons, Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch of Judea. And as you probably know, politics in those days was pretty dirty, even worse than it is today. Back then, like most of his family, Herod Antipas did whatever was necessary for him to stay in office. And he did not let religion get in the way. Herod Antipas apparently followed the same rules in his personal life. For instance, Herod fell in love with a woman named Herodias. Unfortunately, Herodias was Herod's niece. And Herodias was already married to Herod's half-brother. For that matter, Herod was also married. But Herod did not let trifling obstacles like that stand in his way. He divorced his own wife, convinced Herodias to get a divorce, and the two of them were married. The people of Judea were utterly scandalized but apparently only John the Baptist dared to speak out against Herod's disgraceful behavior. And so for, for daring to criticize his personal life, Herod threw John into prison. Now Herod was afraid to have John executed until Rhodius tricked him. But in reality, John's martyrdom was probably a relief for Herod. You see, by getting rid of John, Herod figured that he was also getting rid of God. Imagine his shock then when Jesus appears on the scene. And Herod becomes convinced that Jesus is actually John the Baptist come back to life. It's not very easy to get rid of God. Yes, it's actually a very familiar pattern throughout history. The sword, the gun, and the iron fist of political power have often been used to get rid of God by silencing his messengers. Through the ages, in the B.C. and in the A.D., Jews and Christians had to suffer at the hands of powers that be. In the aftermath of the Russian Revolution, religion was supposed to wither and die. It turns out that Jesus, the Christ, had a stronger hold on the hearts of the Russian people than Karl Marx, or for that matter, Charles Darwin. In Red China, it appeared for decades that the Christian church was long gone, was dead and buried. In fact, it was alive and buried, hidden underground and waiting for the chance to bloom again, as events of recent years have proven. 
The powers of this world keep trying to get rid of God. And even now, today, we hear of great persecution suffered by the people of the book in what is often called the Global South, which covers multiple continents in that part of the globe. Herb Holfer, a formerly a missionary to the people of India and LCMS World Mission Executive, explains that Indian Christians simply expect persecution. They never complain that somehow God has forgotten them or that they are even being unduly oppressed by God. For them to be simply a Christian is to be persecuted. It's a package deal. What about us? Where are we? It seems we have been spared a lot of suffering in a Christian nation like ours. And yet we know that times are a-changing. Some of you might already know that for our U.S. military, Christianity is not always welcome there. Our troops are encouraged to rely on their officers, mostly their buddies, to keep them safe and secure. Let's hope that those who lost their lives last Thursday in Afghanistan had placed their faith in the one and only God that really saves. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. What about our schools? I'm told that for generations now our universities have been encouraged students to be free thinkers without regard to anyone or any other religion or faith. Just be themselves. This past week I read about a university at the, in the state of Virginia that was planning to train incoming freshman leaders in social justice, in identity, power, and privilege, which included labeling any person who is white, male, straight, or Christian as an oppressor. Thank goodness donors got wind of it and put a squash on it. What about us? Where do we go? Where do we stand? Have we been avoiding the kind of criticism from others that might put us in a group that our friends like to shun? We keep the conversation going on anything but politics and religion, right? To be perfectly honest, for myself, growing up in middle America where most of my schoolmates were members of a mainline Christian denomination, there was little reason to be out there sharing the gospel. My confirmation experience was a matter a precious matter of setting down the foundations of my faith, memorizing and thoroughly understanding the catechism's doctrine. But honestly, it wasn't until I got into my third year of my seminary education that I learned how finally to give witness to my faith and invite people to receive the glad good news of a Savior who came for them. And still I struggle myself overcoming a shy personality. 
my friends, without the empowering word of the gospel and the Holy Spirit's prompting, we have, no, we have nothing to offer. So easily we can forget the words of our Lord who said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, Blessed are those, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on to say, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And then he says, Rejoice! And be glad, for your Lord is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who came before you. Today we have no further to look than the life of that first believer in Jesus, John the Baptist, who leaped at the approach of Jesus before he was even born in Elizabeth's womb. He faithfully proclaimed the approach of the Savior he believed in. He was arrested and cruelly killed because a girl could dance and her mother bore a grudge. Seemingly from the outside, a meaningless and terrible thing. But this is the kingdom of God and how it operates. It was found on that cruel and torturous death of our Savior, Jesus. It was founded on that torturous death of our Savior. And that cross casts long shadows through the kingdom this side of heaven. The pattern which is John's and Jesus's has been repeated in every generation since. But there is hope, always hope, for the salvation of the world was worked out on that cross. And now God has sent us out with this most beautiful and powerful message the world hates and Satan fears. Even though we know there will be opposition to our message, we know that we have the great commandment of God to look to. What did Jesus say as before or after just receiving all authority in heaven and on earth? He says, go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Proclaim the good news, making disciples, baptizing and teaching. Do you know that there are some who believe this great charge of Jesus is not for us believers. It's just for the apostles. But to tell you the, tell the truth, if that were so, the whole Roman Empire would not have been one to Christ in such a little short span of time as history records. Those early Christians believed in a worldwide conversion and they gave their lives to see it happen. They had a militaristic mentality. That is, they were absolutely committed to the faith and turning the world upside down to take it for Jesus, the King, the Christ. 
Did he or did he not suffer, die, and rise again to save the whole world? God our Savior desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. So writes the Apostle Paul to Pastor Timothy. Now Mark, who gives us our gospel account of John the Baptist's martyrdom, is challenging us today to be brave and courageous in our day and our age. First of all, persecution is not the sign of God's displeasure. As you know already, it's been part and parcel of every Christian's life from the very beginning. And we shouldn't expect anything else in this generation. Secondly, our Lord gives us the strength needed for the mission. He gives us his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Jesus' own words are recorded for us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In our baptism, he gave us his powerful spirit to bring God's life-saving message to the world. That was our commissioning day. You get it? John was a faithful proclaimer. He did not come to the prophetic task with any strength of his own. It was God's strength that worked on him and in him. It's the same for us, my friends. The Lord gives us strength not only then for our witness, but also to endure any darts the devil might throw our way. And be sure, God knows. Listen. Listen to these comforting words of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how, he will, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword... Oh, listen, it's written, For your sake we face death all the day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. What a tremendous God we have that by His grace and in His love we should be counted worthy.
to be among the confessors of the faith, the persecuted and faithful saints of God. To him be all the glory and the praise forever and ever. Amen. All his people can say, Amen.